balanced there. Well, we'll see how it goes. Um, <laughs> well, we are in our series, The Road, as we are walking through the life of Christ. We started at Christmas, his birth, and we're going all the way up to his death and resurrection at Easter. Um, we've been primarily in the book of Luke. We have taken a few diversions to the book of Matthew um, and, and to Mark, but uh, we are continuing on as he is literally, the last few weeks we've been talking about, it says that he set his face towards Jerusalem. He is on the road walking towards Jerusalem, and he knows what lies ahead. He keeps reminding his disciples of what lies ahead, and they're a little dense. Bless their hearts. They don't quite understand what, what it all means when he says, I'm going to go die, and I will be resurrected. They're like, okay, you're going to go become king. And he's like, no, I'm going to go die, and they're like, you're going to be king. They just don't get it. So uh, he's, he, he knows exactly where he's headed. He's on this journey to Jerusalem, and uh, next week we're going to have the triumphal entry. We're all going to be in our Aloha shirts. And uh, Nate said that it's kind of corny. I wear an Aloha shirt most every Sunday through the summer. I love them. I don't know if it's corny, but I love a good Aloha shirt. So that's just going to kick off Aloha shirt season for me. And then, uh, and then we go into Passion Week. We're going to have Good Friday service here. And then we move to the cross. And, 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 on, on, uh, and then Easter, of course, Resurrection Sunday, that we know that Jesus rose again. But right now, um, we're going to be in Luke chapter 17. So if you have your Bibles, open them with me. Again, Sunday Links has the Bible app link, which has every verse in it that I'm going to be referencing. That way you can make sure I'm actually reading from the Bible, that I'm not making something up to support my ideas, that it's right there in the Bible. And, uh, and uh, you can follow along there. You can add your own notes. But we're going to be in Luke 18, starting in verse 11. It says this, As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, ten lepers stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, Praise God! And he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. And this man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, Stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. All right. So, Jesus, as we just stated, is on his way to Jerusalem, and he's passing uh, between Galilee, which is the place he's from, and Samaria. These are two uh, provinces. It's like counties in Oregon. If we were going to Portland, we would pass through like Lynn County and Marion County to get to Portland, right? And he stops in this uh, unnamed village. We'll call it uh, Coburg, okay? And so he stops in this unnamed village, and... and uh, and, and as he's entering it, it says as he's entering it, these 10 men with leprosy stand at a distance and they call out. Um, they, they're most likely outside the city gates. They're most likely outside the, the city proper. And uh, as he's entering, they're shouting out and they're not allowed to go in because they have leprosy. And we're going to talk for a minute about what leprosy is. Leprosy is one of the most debilitating and deadly diseases of its time. Um, it's a contagious disease that was directed by, uh, tran it's transmitted by direct contact, person-to-person -person contact. And the symptoms, the thing is, the symptoms don't emerge for about four to eight years. That's a long incubation period. So that 
uh, bacteria is living inside you uh, and it's around, but it doesn't actually manifest itself for four to eight years sometimes. And so it begins as like a rash or a sore on your body that it just won't heal. It just keeps sitting there. And, and so then you notice it begins to spread. And it's a bacterial infection that starts to move across your body and it gets to your nervous system and it actually attacks the outside of your, uh, your spinal cord and your brain. And, um, and then it moves on to your extremities. It affects your hands and your feet and your eyes and your ears. And it's really marked by a disfigurement of your skin and your bones. It causes your, your bones to bend and to twist. Um, hands were known to become gnarled and to kind of get into like a claw-like form. Uh, for people that had leprosy. And, um, and, and you begin to lose your fingers and your toes because, not because the leprosy is making them fall off often, but because nerve sensation has been lost. It attacks your nervous system. And because the bacterial infection has affected your nerves and made them numb, you don't know if you're touching something hot or something cold or if you cut or an injury. And so things get infected and, and eventually um, you're not healing correctly. And so uh, your body just starts to break down and there's an onset of muscle paralysis that takes over um, as well as your cartilage starts to break down. Your ears would kind of cauliflower and, and, and fall apart. And then your nose would decay and fall away. It was a horrifying death. It was a horrifying slow death. It didn't happen quickly. And so for thousands of years, it was a disease that had no known cure. Barring a miracle, you weren't going to recover from leprosy if you were diagnosed with leprosy. Um, I th- I w- as I was working on this message, I was thinking about modern diseases that have no known cure that are just a, a horrible to get a, a, a diagnosis or prognosis from, like ALS or Lou Gehrig's, um, Parkinson's disease, Alzheimer's. You think of these diseases where there's no known medical treatment that can solve it. And so to get it was... was was horrifying, but but with ALS and Parkinson's and Alzheimer's, we 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 aren't separated from the rest of the world, from our families, from our our homes, and uh, and so with this disease, it wasn't actually until the late 1800s that a doctor was able to isolate and identify the bacterial cause of of, of leprosy, and so when he did, they changed the name. It's actually now known as Hansen's disease, named after the doctor who isolated it. I don't know if I'd want like a really horrible disease named after me for, for coming up with it. They're like, we'll name that after you now. Um, but he isolated it. But it wasn't for another hundred years after that that they actually figured out how to treat it with, it, with antibiotics, a whole system of antibiotics and things like that. It wasn't until 1981 that a cure occurred for Hansen's disease or, or leprosy. That's crazy recent that this happened. So, so we're looking at this disease that for thousands of years affected people. And even today, there's about 200,000 cases of Hansen's disease worldwide. As an interesting fact, uh, small people with leprosy in Ireland are called leprechauns. Come on. Okay. That was a really heavy section talking about it. Okay. So give me a break. Some of you are like, that's offensive. And, and leprechauns, are, they're real. They're not offended, I promise. There's, there's no leprechauns that are going to write an angry email. But my email is jordan.drewer at nlsteinchurch.com. But there was, there was such fear of contracting leprosy that someone that was diagnosed with it would be excommunicated from society. They would be kicked out of the city. Imagine this. 
you're, you're, you're on this long, drawn-out journey to death. You know what's going to happen. But not only that, you've been isolated. You're hopeless. You're, you, you have not only experiencing physical death, but social and cultural death as well. You've lost your home. Think about you just being told you can't return to your home as of today. You can't, you can't go back to your family, your belongings. You own nothing. And religious law, not only that, but required that you go around calling out, unclean, unclean, to keep people away from you so they don't contract it. Likely, they had to hold signs that said leper, that told people what they had and indicated their disease. And so they have this isolating sickness that identified who they were. And, and, they were, and, and leprosy, not only that, it was viewed as a curse from God. It wasn't like they didn't understand these, these bacterial things. They viewed it as God has cursed you. And God has cursed your family, probably because you sinned in some way. Probably because your, your grandfather or someone down the line offended God, did something terrible, and you are dealing with the consequences. So you were seen as a pariah. You were seen as someone that couldn't in- engage with culture. And so can you imagine having to go around calling out the sickness that you have? Imagine in today's world having to go around telling people the virus or infection or disease that you may carry that would really upset people to hear or would really humiliate you to say you have it if it's like hepatitis or an, an STD that you carry and you have to shout it out to everybody. And so they're going around shouting this out and it's the most shameful thing that you, you've ever done or that's ever been happened that's being broadcast to the world and you have to let everyone know. And so, and so it, these, these 10 men are all living together. They're in the support structure of this leper colony and, and they're only able to be around people that, care, that carry the same affliction. And I think it's kind of interesting. We do tend to congregate with people that share our same misery, don't we? I think we often find ourselves commiserating with shared misery. Look into some bars and some places where people are sharing the same hurts. People kind of tend to gravitate towards people that share the same brokenness, the same hurts. So these men are calling out to Jesus, God, Jesus, have mercy on us. And the mercy they beg for, the word they use is the same word for mercy that Jesus used last week when we talked about the story of the Good Samaritan. And, and the teacher of the law responds, the one that showed him mercy was the good neighbor. Mercy is the same word. Have mercy on us. And they're calling out for God's grace and his mercy. And it's interesting because nothing exposes us to the need for hope like our pain does, does it? Nothing exposes us to our need for hope like our pain. Pain has a way of getting our attention. I, uh, I smashed my finger in the car door the other day. Um, I don't recommend it, actually. It's a very, very unpleasant experience. And, but you know what got my attention to my finger being in the door was the pain. Pain has a way of immediately catching our attention. And when we are in pain, something suddenly exposes us to a need for hope. When we're going through our life and we experience pain and brokenness, suddenly we're, when, you know, when we're comfortable, when the seas are smooth, uh, it's easy to forget how in need we really are. But our pain awakens us to just how much we need a Savior. And these men are in pain and they're broken and they know that they are dealing with a disease that's going to kill them and they call out for mercy. And they're not only, they're, they're no longer trying to put on any kind of facade or posture. You know, like, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I'm not doing too bad. They know exactly where they stand and they aren't holding anything back. They call out to God. In the middle of our pain, though, God is still present. While the pain makes us aware, acutely aware of our condition, God is still present in our pain. He is there, and God is so rich in mercy. They call out, have mercy on us, and aren't you glad that we have a God who is rich in that mercy? 
In the book of Psalm, chapter 103, verse 8, the psalmist says, The Lord is compassionate and merciful. He's slow to get angry and he's filled with unfailing love. That is our God. That is our God. And so these men are calling out their, their normal experience of calling out. Remember, they call out unclean. Their normal experience of doing this is for people to respond by being repulsed. They step away. Mothers usher their children to the other side of the road, whatever it might be. People avoid them to draw back. They change direction, but not Jesus. Luke says that he saw them when no one else did. He saw them. It's interesting. Jesus always moved towards people's pain. Jesus always moved towards people's pain. The sick, the dying, the marginalized, the hungry, the demon-possessed, the ones that were literally chained outside the city, Jesus moved towards those that were the broken. He sought them out. Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. So Jesus tells them, he says, I want you to go and show yourselves to the priests. In Leviticus 14, it's laid out what you're supposed to do if your leprosy is cured. This happened very rarely. It happened once to a guy named Naaman. He wasn't a Jew, so he didn't have to do this. And it happened once to Miriam, who had leprosy, who was cured. But this, this didn't happen for hundreds of years that we have any record of. So um, here's what they were supposed to do according to uh, the book of, of Leviticus chapter 14. If you suddenly noticed your leprosy is clearing up, you're supposed to go to the priest. He's going to look you over and say, you don't have leprosy anymore. Then he writes you up a clear bill, bill of health, and you can use that to re-enter society. You can go back home and life can return as normal. And so Jesus says, go to the priests and show yourselves. The thing is, he sent them before they were healed. They were still covered with their leprosy. He sent them before they had received their healing, but they responded in faith. They started walking as if it was so. Is your trust in God so strong that you can act on what he says even before you see any evidence that it's going to come to pass? Is your faith in God so strong that when you hear the word, you say, not only will I wait for that to happen, but I'm going to act as though it is going to happen. Wow. And they step out in faith, these 10 men, and they head towards the, 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 the priests. And as they're going, they are healed. Step into a miracle even before you've seen the miracle. I think of Joshua crossing the Jordan. You've got Moses, who the generation before raised his staff over the Red Sea, right? And the sea was parted. That happened before they walked into it. Joshua gets to the edge of the promised land and the, the Jordan is at flood stage. Have you guys ever seen the Mackenzie or Willamette when it's flooding and it's really high up the banks? And God says, step into that river. How about I raise the staff, then we kind of see how things go. God says, step into that water. Step out into the miracle. Step out in faith. And so he, the, as they're going to the priests, and I, I love this because the priest's job is to pronounce what they see, right? They, their job is to pronounce what the condition was or wasn't. Yes, it's leprosy or no, it's not. But when Jesus pronounces, the condition changes according to what he pronounces. He's different than the priests. He's different than what they, their power is, is limited to whatever is going on. I'll just tell you what it is. Jesus says, I will be, make it become what I say it is. And so the condition changed according to what he said. And as they went, they were cleansed. And what percent of the men that went were healed? 100%. That wasn't a trick question. 100%. 10 out of 10. All of them were healed as they went. And what would you do if you suddenly found out you were healed and you got that clear bill of health? I would go home right to my wife and my family. I would want to see them. I would want to go uh, back. I don't know if some of you go back to your job right away. Guess what, boss? I can work, you know, but 
We'd want to go back and be reunited with the ones we love. We'd want to do all these things. And nine of them did that. Yet one realized that all of this happened because of a certain person that was there. And he ran back to Jesus and he fell at Jesus' feet. And this man was more interested in the source of his healing than in the rewards of being healed. I would be reveling, I got to admit, in the rewards of being healed, of wholeness. But he said, there's something bigger going on here than just being healed. The man that gave me this healing, there's something going on with him. And he ran back to Jesus and he worshiped at his feet. You see, the real prize is the healer, not the healing. The real prize is the healer, not the healing. And as he was worshiping Jesus, he was down at Jesus' feet. Jesus is looking around. He goes, okay, I'm counting here. One. Where are the other nine? Didn't I heal ten of you? Where are the other nine? And, and, and Jesus, when he says, didn't I heal ten of you, the Greek word he uses here is the same word from which we get the word cathartic. Cathartic means to, to cleanse, to purge, right? When you have a cathartic experience, it's to cleanse out, to clean out. Their leprosy was cleansed and cleaned out. But then Jesus turns to this one man and he says, stand up and go, your faith has healed you. He says, your faith has healed you. But didn't all, we just all agreed, right? Ten out of ten received healing. So why did he say to this guy, your faith has healed you? When he says your faith has healed you, he uses a different word, which we don't often get in our translations here. The word that Jesus used is sozo. Sozo is used several times throughout the New Testament, and it's ultimately defined as salvation. It means to be protected and to be made whole. It's the same word that's used in Romans 10.9. If you openly declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be sozo. You will be saved. It's the same word that's used in Matthew chapter 1, verse 14, or 21, I'm sorry, when, when the angel is speaking to, to Joseph about who Jesus would be, and he says, and, he, you, and she will have a son, and, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will sozo his people from their sins. He will save their people from the, This is the word that Jesus uses to the leper now. He says, they have been cleansed. You have been saved. You have been made whole because you have come to the source of your healing, not just came for the healing. You see, nine out of the 10 men in that situation, they settled for a transactional physical healing with Jesus, right? They came, they, they came and they got what they were looking for in that moment, but one came back to the feet of Jesus and he left not just healed, but he left whole. It's interesting because many people can have the same encounter with Jesus, but not all people leave the same. Many people can have the same encounter with Jesus, but don't all leave the same. So 10 of the men received something temporal, but only one got something eternal. If you think about it, all this did was really improve the quality of their lives. Now, let me tell you, that quality improvement was incredible, right? <laughs> Going from a, a death sentence with, with parts of your body falling off to suddenly being healed, that's incredible. But let, let me just say, if you're only going to Jesus to improve the quality of this life, you're going to miss eternity. Ten of those men were healed, but ten of those men also died. They experienced the healing but something was going to get him. 
We aren't immortal in that way. They were not immortalized, but God healed them in that moment. But we all will face death one day. And Jesus is not just here to improve the quality of your life, but he came to give you eternal life. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul is writing this letter to this church and he says uh, to them, uh, if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. If our hope in Jesus is just for whatever we can get out of this world, what a waste. He's saying there's so much more. We are here for the eternal. We are here for the king who gives us life. We are here for Jesus. And, And the truth is we all, every single one of us, have been infected with a terminal condition. Just as these men with leprosy had, we all have been sentenced to death because of our sin. Each of us has death within us. Each of us, and it may be a slow death. We are, we are on a road, though, that leads to death. Again, in the book of Romans, it says, For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Wages are what you earn from a job, right? Wages are the pay that you get. So when we live out our life, none of us live a perfect life. And anytime we sin, the wage, the, earn, the earnings we get for that, that failure, that falling short of God's glory is death. God can only be around perfection. God himself is perfect. He created the, 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 the universe in perfection. Sin entered the world. It broke us off from God because he allowed us to have free choice, free will. What is relationship without choice? He, he gave us the, the free will to choose our own way. Each of us have chosen our own way, gone away from God. And yet he sent Jesus so that we could still have the chance for relationship. Jesus lived the perfect life. Jesus lived that life of perfection so that he could take our sin, our death, our leprosy that is going to take our, that wants to steal our soul. And so uh, this death that wants to separate us from God is, is, is ultimately defeated by Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. And he offers us life today. He offers us life today. Right now, I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes before we move forward. First part And just spend a moment with Jesus. The healer is here. And the thing he cares about most of all is the condition of your soul. We're not just people that have bodies and our bodies contain a soul. We are ultimately souls within a body. We are primarily souls that will live forever. One day, these bodies will break down. One day, if Jesus tarries, we will breathe our last, but our souls will last into eternity. And what their condition is, what their Status is before God is what makes all the difference. So are you ready to step into eternity and see Jesus face to face and say, Lord, I surrendered my life to you. I I said, I receive the life that you've offered me by repenting of my sin and taking your forgiveness through the life you live for me. So right now, before we move on in the service, I want to give you this opportunity. If you've never given your life to Jesus, Or perhaps you've been away from Jesus for a really, really long time. And right now it's about recommitting and surrendering your life to him and saying, Jesus, there's, 
I don't have eternity that's guaranteed to me. I don't know where I stand, but I want to stand righteous before you, God. If that's you in this room right now, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you say, Pastor Brent, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. Will you raise your hand? I want to pray with you right now. Thank you. I see that hint. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. I see that hint. Thank you. Put your hands down right now. So as we just read in the book of Romans, it's very simple. The prayer of salvation is saying, I confessing that Jesus is Lord and believing in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, that he's alive today. He's not just a prophet that lived a long time ago and left some good thoughts down on paper and died, but he is alive. He is the Son of God today. And we proclaim that, but then it's walking forward in relationship with Jesus. So right now we're going to pray this prayer together, and I encourage you, if you prayed that prayer in a few minutes, we're going to have a time of prayer here as a church. Come and talk to me or one of our pastors and let us know, and we want to encourage you on your walk with Jesus moving forward. Right now, church, I want us to pray this prayer together. It's a prayer of commitment of our lives. So let's say this together. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you came to heal me. You came to take my death. You came to take my sin. You came to take my brokenness. I believe you died for me. And then you resurrected again. And that you offer me life. So right now I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I make you my king from this day forward. You are my God. You are my Savior. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. The Bible says that heaven throws a party for any lost sinner that comes home. There's a celebration that you gave your life to Jesus. And I am so grateful that you gave your lives to Jesus today. Those that raised their hands, those that prayed that prayer. But right now, I also want to open the, this opportunity. I was very intentional about preaching short today. Because I want us to have a time of responding and coming to the feet of Jesus. So if I can have our prayer team, our pastors and our elders spread across all the way across the front, all the way to the door, all the way down. And what we're going to do this morning is come to the feet of Jesus. Whether you have received healing, whether he's done something in your soul already, come to the feet of Jesus because there is nothing better than coming to the feet of Jesus and worshiping him for all he is. It's not just about getting that, that temporal release. It's about worshiping the one who gives us life. And so I want us to find a place across the front churches. We just worship the king. You can find a place to pray. You can find a person to pray with. If you gave your life to Jesus, come talk to us. If you need healing for something, though, this is the time to receive healing. Um, and the Bible says that if anyone is in need of healing, they are to come to the elders of the church and be anointed with oil, and the prayer of faith will raise up that person. And so right now we've got our elders and our prayer team that's up here ready to pray with you. So if you need prayer, if you need healing, come and find someone right now. So let's stand together, church, right now. Let's stand together, and I encourage you to come forward. Let's step forward right now, and we're going to engage. We're going to just come in, and we're going to pursue Jesus together. This is the time to pursue Jesus. I could have preached another 15 minutes, but I have created space. There's nothing you're missing right now. Let's push in. Let's come forward. Let's pursue Jesus together. Step out. Let's come forward and come after Jesus together. Yeah, you know, it's a chunk. It's all good. I've been banned. 40. 
Oh, 